If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 100 of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar. Today, we're talking all things patient experience with Dr. Peggy Greco. Peggy is Nemours Enterprise Patient Experience Medical Director. I started our recent conversation by asking, from her view at the top, what is patient experience? That is a great question. And I think, um, first of all, to establish that I think there is not a top, that there really is a loop. And I know that's represented by our loop of care, but I really strongly believe our our strength is our associates. And they've done some incredible things this year, especially year and a half through the pandemic. But patient experience has undergone a transformation at Nemours over the past few years. And um, we've arrived at a new definition. Uh, Patient experience is everything we are and do with and for children and families throughout the care continuum, with an emphasis on with. We really believe strongly in engaging and empowering children and families in their own care. That's a lot. How do you break that down? How do you implement that on a consistent basis across all of Nemours? First of all, I think looking at the ways in which we provide unified experience, I think there are certain constructs that unify us as a whole. We all love kids. We wouldn't be here if we didn't. I think we all feel passionately about children's health and bettering children's health. We all feel passionately about offering equitable care to all families. We want all families to have the highest quality, safest care. So basically what we're looking at is harnessing that passion, that unifying construct of improving children's health for all families and doing that across a couple of different ways. So one is really helping people understand that patient experience is a really broad construct. In the past, it's been interpreted fairly specifically to mean patient satisfaction, which is one tiny part of it. The most important aspect of patient experience really is safety and health outcomes. We have not provided a good experience if we haven't provided the highest quality and safest experience and offering health equity. So in terms of providing equitable care in a high quality, safe manner is the epitome of patient experience. So broadening that construct to help, this is not just about do families like us are they satisfied? This is about the care they've received. The the second area we've looked at is to improve the way we assess the patient experience. We really want patient feedback in a a number of different ways. And so we have a lot of tools and we're, we're constantly expanding these tools. So 
One of those tools is through our post-visit patient survey, which all patients and families receive. And we transfer to a new uh, vendor. Uh, so we have a new survey platform as of March of 2020. It was a quite busy month, <laughs> also the pandemic. <laughs> it's a really great system. It is offered in real time, which basically means a few hours after discharge or after the visit, the family gets the survey. We get a lot more detailed feedback because they remember it's it's just happened. It's recent. And um, we also are able to contact them by phone. So it's a lot easier to be able to state your thoughts rather than having to type them. And so we have a much higher sampling rate and we get this great assessment of the experience our families are having. We also have this really neat tool also through NRC Health. At the end of every survey, they ask families, would you like to be part of our virtual advisory council? And at this point, we have 11,000 yeses. So we have 11,000 families that are part of that virtual advisory council. I can see I blew you away. <laughs> yeah. I blew away as well. Um, we, we want to have that input. And so that with that virtual advisory council, we are able to share monthly surveys on in-depth topics. So for example, one of our first surveys was about their perception of health equity. Do they feel like they're being treated fairly and with respect? And have they had any concerns about being treated differently? And we're able to look at that input based on race, ethnicity, and language. So that's another way in which we can really capture the patient family voice. The other is through our fantastic system of family advisory councils, which also include youth advisory councils in some locations as well. The family advisory councils are smaller groups of parents that are put together either based on location or based on their child's diagnosis. For example, there's a cystic fibrosis family advisory council. There's a Central Florida family advisory council. And typically, they'll have 10 to 20 members pre-pandemic they tended to meet in the evenings, have a dinner together. So there was some bonding and support that could be offered. And then the program would start, which would be basically ways that we could engage, ask for information, ask for advice from families, really involve them from the very start on a number of different projects across the enterprise. So, so I think the Family Advisory Council's strength is the fact that you have very dedicated, devoted parents who are willing to give up their time and energy and their experiences to help us improve care. And um, there's an effort to make those groups more diverse so that they represent our patient proportions at each of their respective locations. With the virtual advisor council, it's a much broader subsection. So rather than, you know, 10 to 20, you've got 11,000. So we're able to um, have a much more diverse sampling of, of input from families. There's not the in-person, but again, I think in some ways, what that means is that we're also more likely to capture input from those who may be too busy to commit to coming in and being a part of a, a group. And so I look at the advisory council the virtual advisor council as a nice complement to our in-person family advisory councils in that we get a broader sample of all of our patients. We can also separate out by demographics to be able to get a sense of how does that experience differ by things such as race, ethnicity, and language. Um, so there's a lot of different ways in which we are capturing the patient family voice. So that 
assessment is much broader. Before, it used to just mean that post-visit survey. Now it means we're including voices in so many different ways. And in fact, I'm part of an effort to establish a research patient and family advisory council for our families who are involved in research. So that will soon become part of a standard procedure for any investigator to involve a family member from that council um, in the formation of their proposals, their uh, protocols, etc. And with all this happening in the world of patient experience, what was the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the work? You really would think that it might have had a detrimental effect, but actually the opposite is true. So our focus really is on improvement. The reason why we assess the patient experience and we ask for family input is because we want to use that information to improve. And so last year, we rolled out something completely different. This was part of our transformation as part of that emphasis on improvement instead of just the assessment piece. The annual goal focused on asking all groups across the enterprise to put together a patient experience improvement project. So our goal was that 60% of groups across the enterprise would participate. So that would have given us 206. So that annual goal was rolled out in January and February. Well, you know what happened in March. (laughs) And um, rather than hitting 206 groups, we actually had 667 groups design and implement over 190 separate improvement projects. So it really was tremendous in terms of the response that we um, got from everyone across the enterprise. And it was a chance to highlight improvement work that is going on constantly. Our associates are very improvement minded, are always looking for ways to better the the experience and improve quality and safety of care. And so I think that initiative really captured that passion for improvement. And I would say they, they focused on three different areas. One was what are the different ways we can provide care specific to COVID-related needs? And as an example, uh, one of the surgery centers up at AADHC in Bremar put together a COVID testing site right next to the surgery center. They also adjusted the time so that families could have their COVID tests obtained. They increased their flexibility. Um, they were able to respond to the needs such that um, there were no delays or cancellations of surgeries as a result of needing COVID testing. So that's a great example of some of the projects that were designed to specifically meet COVID-related needs. There were also projects that focused on how do we meet the ongoing needs of kids despite COVID or in the context of COVID occurring. And I think a, a perfect example of that one Primary Care in the Delaware Valley created eight outdoor immunization stations. As as you well know, and I'm sure that babies and toddlers um, need immunizations on schedule. Childhood immunizations, DTP, um, MMR, all the childhood immunizations that are needed to help procure healthy childhood. So I, I, as a parent, and like most parents would be fearful of bringing a child into a healthcare setting in the midst of COVID. So they created these stations such that they were only designed for giving immunizations. So there were no sick visits. Um, there were only well children being seen, and they were able to serve almost 7,000 patients. So that was a, a great example of how do we meet the ongoing needs of kids despite the pandemic. 
And then the third category of projects really focused on how do we improve care independent of a pandemic? And we had some really inventive projects that did so. And I think one of the standout ones was from one of our CICUs, the cardiac ICU, that focused on involving parents in the first oral feeding of their newborns. It has shown promise in the literature in regard to improving feeding outcomes. And so they worked out a very detailed process. They had iPads to be able to engage parents virtually if they weren't able to be at the bedside and and involve parents in their care. So lots of exciting projects that really directly impact kids in the midst of COVID. So I think that was definitely a silver lining as far as the increased engagement and improvement that we noted over the course of the year. How does patient experience fit into the new strategic plan that's being rolled out? What's the future for patient experience in your estimation? So I'm thinking of embroidery. And I think that when you embroider in a different color, you might have a symbol or a house or a some something that stands out against the background. I, I look at patient experience as a thread that's pretty much the same color and it all blends in. I think patient experience is interwoven into all of our strategy. There are some specific ways in which it's called out, but I think overall the strategic process was set up so that it is well informed by the needs of our patients and families. Part of that was through the formation of one of the foundational imperatives, which is Voice of the Child and Family. And that group, um, which I had the privilege of participating in together with Jay Greenspan and now Carrie Grant heads up of that foundational imperative, really did a great job through the IAEs and the whole strategic process as far as always bringing up family perspective. So I feel like it's baked in to a lot of our strategy, but to give you a few specific examples, um, we do have in some of our roadmaps, which is the current step we're at forming roadmaps to for implementing the strategy. Um, there are specific ways in which we're addressing the patient family experience, such as through enterprise consistency and translation of documents, use of communication techniques that um, improve health outcomes, such as teach back is one of those communication techniques. So there are some specific ways, but again, I, I think overall our strategic plan is really patient and family focused. I, as part of our transformation, I know I emphasize that we're broadening the construct, um, we're assessing it in different ways, really giving a voice to a broader, diverse group of families, and we're also focused on improvement. But the other key piece is really eliciting input and encouraging ownership across all levels of the enterprise. So I think that we have really made some strides as far as integrating clinicians and work groups and decision-making and implementation. We have a very unique patient experience team in that we have clinician liaisons, providers that are part of our team, two in the Delaware Valley, two in Florida. Um, and so they are part-time with patient experience and then also have clinical responsibilities so that our priorities are really shaped by the realities of what our clinician and frontline staff are experiencing. So very connected um, in terms of engagement, not just with families, but with all associates. And then lastly, that um, 
we really want to celebrate our patient experience focused culture. So when you think about the feedback that we get from families, it's overwhelmingly positive. And there's so many ways in which we are patient and family centered and we're a leader in the patient experience field. Um, we have some really innovative approaches to conceptualization, measurement, improvement. We want to celebrate that, focus on that. And a lot of times that tends to encourage greater engagement, involvement, and more progress. So um, so we're very excited about the fact that we have such a patient experience-focused culture. What can I do if I'm, I'm listening today? I'm an associate out on the front lines. What's the one piece of advice from a patient experience perspective that you would give? So a couple things I would share. Uh, one is Anytime you can take the patient family perspective and put yourself in their shoes and join with them in terms of understanding their experience, their question, their concern from putting that hat on from patient family, you're always going to benefit. They're always going to benefit from taking that perspective. The, The second is that Similar to quality and safety, where the focus is really on um, speak up, say something, that um, we want to know about opportunities for improvement, how we can do things better. Our associates are a wealth of wisdom. And so we always ask that anyone email at patient experience group at nemours.org. That's our group email um, and can reach us anytime or reach out to me by email with ideas, with thoughts, with projects. As I know, there's so many areas that are working on projects that we'd love to um, be able to continue to have that improvement focus. Dr. Peggy Greco is Nemours Enterprise Patient Experience Medical Director. She is based in Jacksonville, Florida. The door is open to give Dr. Greco your feedback and suggestions regarding the patient experience here at Nemours. You can reach out to her one of two ways. There's the group experience email she just mentioned. That's patient experience group at Nemours.org, patient experience group at Nemours.org, or you may email her directly. Her work email is Peggy.Greco, G-R-E-C-O at Nemours.org, Peggy.Greco at Nemours.org. If you or someone you know has a story to share, reach out to us via email to set up an interview. Podcast at Nemours.org is the address. Podcast at Nemours.org. The Nemours Champions for Children podcast is available to you on Nemoursnet and the Nemours Now app, along with your favorite podcast app and your smart speaker. Streaming and download is free. Please subscribe, review, and share with your fellow associates, friends, and family. Thanks to our production team, Deborah Griffin and Peter Adebi. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turners Falls, Massachusetts. On behalf of Dr. Peggy Greco, I'm Carol Vassar. Thanks for listening to episode number 100 of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children we serve.